Good morning. Beautiful weekend, wasn't it? Did you get outside? I hope you did. If you didn't, you missed it. Beautiful weekend. Excited to be here to preach the Word of God today. Today we're going to do things a little bit differently as it regards our text. Normally at this point in the service, we, we read a, one main text and pray and then dive right into that text. Today we have multiple texts. If you have your bulletin on the back of it, if you take a look, all the texts are listed there. So what we're going to do is we're going to read those different texts right before each uh, specific point that that text is matched with. So uh, as, we, as we enter this time, I know, that's a, know it's a little bit different, but let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask His blessings on the preaching of the Word of God today and our hearing and understanding of it as well. Pray with me, please. Our God and Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, the name that is above all names. We know that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And Lord, willingly today, we confess that. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here today, specifically to dive into different parts of your word today. Teach us, Father, concerning prayer today. Open our ears and our hearts to the things of God. If there's one here who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, draw that one savingly to yourself today by your power. As believers, strengthen us and mature us in our faith. Grow us in a relationship with you, specifically today as it regards prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, friends, we have spent the last seven sermons studying the Lord's Prayer. And we've learned so much about prayer in those seven weeks. We've learned how to pray. We've learned how not to pray. We've seen the prayer as a model and an example of saying that God should be first and that man's needs should be second. Regarding God first, we've learned from Jesus concerning God's name, His kingdom, and His will. If you recall with me, the Lord's Prayer taught us to hallow the name of God through praise, through obedience, and to hallow His name with our whole heart. We've learned about God's kingdom. We've learned who the king of that kingdom is, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've learned about God's will, what we call his decorative or secret will, and also his revealed will, the pages of Scripture, and how we should be praying God's revealed will so that we can align our lives to God's secret or decorative will, God first. We also learned man second, specifically man's needs of daily bread, forgiveness, and temptation. We should be praying for those things. Regarding daily bread, we learn that God is a good giver, and He desires that His children come to Him and ask Him for things that they need, their daily bread, insofar as those things enable us to hallow the name of God, to put God first in our lives, because things that don't do that, we don't need them. We've learned to pray for forgiveness, while at the same time, each of us forgiving others who've sinned against us. We learned about the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18 who had been forgiven so much yet was unwilling to forgive his friend over pocket change. 
we learn that we have to forgive others. We're called to forgive others. How can we not when we've been forgiven so much? We've learned that God will not tempt us, but he will test us. As Pastor Daryl taught us a few weeks ago, we should hunger for the holiness, hunger for the holiness of staying away from temptation. Just last week, we learned to ascribe kingdom, power, and glory to God because he's the king of the kingdom. It's his kingdom. He's powerful. He's omnipotent. And of course, he deserves all honor and glory and praise. The Lord's Prayer. What a great study. I pray that you have been blessed by this study on learning how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. What are we doing today? Today we want to kind of wrap up our study on prayer. But we want to do that by looking at other passages in the Bible that speak to prayer. Now let me say here at the very beginning, today's scriptures are certainly not exhaustive. There are many, many other passages of scripture that we're not going to look at today that are in the Bible that speak to prayer But I pray that today the scriptures we look at are both clear and encouraging to you. For today the scriptures continue to teach us how to pray. In a nutshell, I pray that the scriptures we look at today continue to equip you for the ministry of prayer. Five points regarding prayer this morning on how the Bible continues to teach us how to pray. Number one. We're to pray confidently. Number two, we're to pray without ceasing. Number three, we're to pray scripture. Number four, pray with your eyes fixed on God. And number five, we're to pray in Jesus' name. But let's look at that first point. Praying confidently. Two passages of scripture to look at. The first from Hebrews chapter 4. The second from 1 John. Let's look at, first of all, Hebrews 4. 14 through 16. How does the Bible teach us to pray confidently? The scriptures say, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And then 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Confidence in prayer. Back when I was about third, fourth grade, I was in Cub Scouts. And I remember in Cub Scouts, uh, our den leader gave us all a handbook. And in the handbook, I would open it up and look through it, and the handbook would teach me how to do things that I didn't know how to do. It taught me how to tie different knots. I can remember the drawings in the handbook of how to, to take rope and tie different knots with the rope. It taught me how to tie a tie. In a, in a drawing. Hard to do that with a drawing, but it, it, it attempted to do that. Taught you how to start a campfire. 
So that handbook, the, the, the purpose of that handbook was to explain to me how to do things that were maybe a little hard for a third or fourth grader to understand. That was the purpose of the handbook. When I think about the book of Hebrews, and I teach the book of Hebrews, and I explain it to people, I actually teach it this way, that Hebrews is the handbook for the Old Testament. Many times when you read the Old Testament, there are certain things that are hard to understand, and you come away from reading those things, and you say, what in the world does that even have to do with Jesus? Well, that's where the book of Hebrews comes into our lives, because Hebrews takes many of those Old Testament stories and explains to us what they have to do with Jesus, specifically regarding the law of God, the tabernacle of God, the priesthood, Aaron and Moses, all of those sacrifices. Hebrews acts as a handbook and teaches us how to understand the things of the past through the lens of Christ. And what the Old Testament teaches us and what Hebrews explains to us today is that back before Jesus was born, in ancient times, in the time of Moses and Aaron, God called Aaron to be the first high priest. They had the tabernacle, the tent of meeting that was set up in the middle of the camp, and in that tabernacle there were several rooms. One was called the holy place, one was called the most holy place, and separating those two rooms was a big, thick curtain. And inside the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that not, any, not just anybody could go into that most holy place. Only one person could do that. And that was the high priest, Aaron. And he could only go in there once a year. And when he went in that room behind the curtain, he had to bring something with him. The blood of an innocent sacrifice, a, a substitute. The blood of a ram or a goat he had to bring in with him. And what he would do is he would sprinkle that blood on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the lid, which was called the mercy seat. And the blood was there for atonement because of Aaron's sin and the sins of the people. And that's how things worked in the Old Testament, and they did this year in and year out. Now, today, you and I, we live on the other side of the cross. Where Aaron lived before the work of Jesus, we live after the work of of Jesus. And today Hebrews calls Jesus our great high priest. He took the role that Aaron once had, except that when Jesus did it, he did it perfectly. He did it without error. While Aaron was a sinner, Jesus knew no sin. Yet he was tempted as we are. He was without sin. And the Bible tells us that Jesus went through the heavenly holy of holies behind the curtain. He did that to represent man before a holy God. But when Jesus went in, he did not bring the blood of a bull or a goat or a ram. He brought his own blood. And what the Bible teaches us is that Jesus is both priest and sacrifice. Something that Aaron could never say. Something that Aaron could never do, Jesus did. And Jesus spilled his own blood, Hebrews says, once for all, obtaining eternal redemption. And do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? The Bible teaches us that that curtain, which was now in the temple instead of the tabernacle, that curtain was ripped 
from top to bottom. That God chose to tear that curtain in half. And what that teaches you and me is that because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Christ has done, you and I have been ushered behind the curtain into the very presence of a holy, holy God. And it's right here where Hebrews teaches us to see the impact on Jesus' life work as it relates to us through prayer. How does this relate to prayer? You see, now, because of the great work of Jesus, the great high priest, you don't need a high priest to pray for you, for you to be heard by God. You don't even need your pastor to pray for you, for you to be heard by God. Understand what Jesus has done for you. He has ushered you into the very presence of his Father through his blood, where you have access to speak to God directly in prayer. Is it a good thing to have other people pray for you? Yes, absolutely. But you can pray confidently, as this text says. Boldly. Come boldly, confidently to the throne of grace. Because that's where Christ has ushered you so that you can speak directly to his Father. And we see that this is not because of anything we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Come boldly, come confidently. 1 John 5, 14, we also saw use that word confidently. John MacArthur says it this way, The goal of prayer is not simply to gratify our selfish desires, but to align our wills to God's purposes. If we come confidently praying the will of God, we can know that God hears us. There's no doubt about it. That's the confidence and the boldness that we can have in prayer. Secondly today, Thessalonians. Now, here's where I made a mistake. One of many, I'm sure. Did you know that 1 Thessalonians 1.17 doesn't exist? But that's what's on your bulletin. That's my fault. I got, an, I got a text on Friday before Melanie went on the youth retreat. Pastor Adam, I'm trying to type this up for you, but 1 Thessalonians 1.17 doesn't exist. Oh, no, what did I do? It's 5.17. That's the problem. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. The second point, pray without ceasing. Here's what the Bible says in that verse. Just that. Pray without ceasing. Friends, Paul in this text is teaching us that prayer should be a constant mindset. That prayer shouldn't be a single solitary moment in our day that's disconnected from the rest of our day, but rather prayer should be a moment-by-moment conversation with God. It should be a constant way of life. In my own spiritual growth, I don't even know that I've thought through this until even the last few years. The Lord has been teaching me this in, in my personal life, and He's still teaching me this in my life on how to just pray without ceasing. So what does this mean? That It means that God wants us to pray in the morning, the afternoon, at night. He wants us to pray to Him at work, at school, at home. 
He wants us to pray to Him in times of confusion and trouble. He wants us to pray to Him in moments of joy and relief. As you get up in the morning, as you lay your head down at night, and all the time in between, go to the throne of grace. Why? There is never a time when the throne of grace is closed. It's always open. That reminds me of a story. This is kind of a funny story. A little bit unfunny. One Thanksgiving... My family, we went to Tennessee, and we weren't going to eat our Thanksgiving meal until that night, later that night, so this was kind of during the day, and we were out in Tennessee, and we started to get a little bit hungry, a little bit thirsty, and we was like, well, we, we, need to, we need to grab something to eat or grab something to drink. Well, where are we going to go? Nothing's really open on Thanksgiving. Where are we going to go? And we were driving down the road, and there's the Golden Arches on the right. McDonald's. We looked at McDonald's, and there's a long line in the drive-thru at McDonald's. And we said, yes, we found something that's open. Let's get in the line and grab a little bit of McDonald's for Thanksgiving lunch. So we got in line through the drive-thru line. We're still in the car. We're in the drive-thru line. And we noticed the traffic's not really moving. The, the, the cars are not moving through the drive through line. And we sit there, you know, five minutes and seven, eight minutes, and, and no one's moving. And we see one car just pull out and, and, and leave because they were tired of leaving. We say, oh, well, we'll just sit here. We'll be patient. Maybe they don't have enough people working. It's Thanksgiving. We just need to wait longer. Well, we waited and waited and waited. And guess what? We finally figured out the problem. McDonald's was closed. But I'm telling you, 25 cars were wrapped around McDonald's because the blind were leading the blind. Everyone thought, oh, I see cars. It must be open. But guess what? We go up to the microphone to to make our order. We talk. No one talks back. Why? McDonald's was closed. I want you to know that the God of the Bible is nothing like that. Nothing like that. Don't ever think for a moment that he is not listening. The throne of grace is always, always open to the children of God. Isaiah 40 says that God does not sleep or slumber like we would, so there's no need to wake him up. Psalm 139 says that God knows everything about us. Even before we pray, he knows what's in our thoughts. We could even pray to God in our thoughts. That's going to be part of praying without ceasing. God perceives our thoughts from afar. He knows what we're going to say even before we say it. So, beloved, don't only come confidently But pray without ceasing. Number three. Pray scripture. The gospel of John chapter 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me, this is Jesus speaking. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Let me give you the context of this passage. John 15 is that great chapter that has one of the seven I am's in it. I am the vine, you are the branches, Christ has told his people. Abide in me and I in you. Jesus is teaching believers what it means to follow him, abide in him, dwell in him. And he says in this verse, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, let that speak to your heart. How is the word of Christ going to speak to you, be in your life? It's through Scripture. Scripture is the word of God. God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what that means is that you and I need to fill our hearts and our minds with Scripture. We need to read it, think about it, dwell on it, meditate on it, and we need to memorize it. We need to hide it in our hearts. You see, when we do this, God's revealed will, which is Scripture, God's revealed will is put in our hearts, in our lives, so then we can know what God wants and what He doesn't want, what glorifies Him and what doesn't glorify Him. When you try to pray apart from Scripture, you're going to be making things up on your own, and that is not a good way to live the Christian life. Scripture is there to teach us God's revealed will, what He wants, what He doesn't want. One theologian said it this way, pray God's thoughts after him. You say, Pastor Adam, how, give me an example of this. How, how can I do this in my daily life? Let me give you a few examples. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with worry. First of all, be informed with Scripture and pray that Scripture back to God. Do it this way. Say, God, Matthew chapter 6 tells me that you take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And you tell me, if you take care of lilies and birds, you are certainly going to take care of me. You tell me in your word that worry is not going to help me one bit, but I need to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Lord, you taught me to pray in Philippians chapter 4 when you said, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart and mind. Lord, you told me in 1 Peter 5 to cast all my cares on you because you care for me. You're praying God's revealed will back to him as you deal with anxiety. You're trusting his word more than the way you feel. Let's say your problem is assurance of salvation. You're struggling with that. Pray John chapter 10 back to God. Say, God, in John chapter 10, you've taught me that you are the great shepherd and that you laid down your life for your sheep and that your sheep are in your hand. And because they're in your hand, they will never perish and you will never let them go. God, help me to trust your word more than the way I feel. If you're dealing with the fact that God has forgotten you, pray this prayer from the book of Hebrews. The writer says, 
God says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If you're dealing with what the Christian walk looks like, Lord, what should I pray? Pray Ephesians chapter 4. Because in that chapter, God tells us what to put off and what to put on in the Christian life. You say, Lord, you've taught me from your word to put off futility of mind, hardness of heart, greed, callousness, and falsehood. You've taught me to put on truth, hard work, edifying conversations, kindness, and forgiveness. Lord, work those things in my life. If you're dealing with what it means to love and to love your neighbor, say, Lord, you've given me a great example of how to love in the Good Samaritan. I see his kindness. I see what he's doing to love his brother. I see the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, God, enable me by your grace to be patient and kind, to not envy and not boast. Pray God's thoughts after him. The Lord Jesus says that our minds, our hearts should be filled with Scripture and to pray those things back to God. And let us remember, you don't have to search for the revealed will of God. He's given it to us right here. Pray these thoughts back to God. Number four, pray with your eyes fixed on God. Looking at the Old Testament, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite stories in the entire Old Testament. This is Jehoshaphat's prayer, the end of it. 2 Chronicles 20, 12, he says, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let me tell you what was going on, the context of this passage. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and the Bible says that the Ammonites and the Moabites were getting ready to attack King Jehoshaphat and his people. So Jehoshaphat immediately sought the face of God. He proclaimed a fast in all of Judah. And he stood up and he prayed amongst the people of Judah. The prayer is in that chapter. You can see if you look at the prayer, it's a prayer of humility. It's a prayer where he praises the Lord based on what God had said to him about himself. He prayed God's revealed will back to God. He talked about God's work throughout time. And he cried out to God in a time of need, and he said, we are powerless. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let's just stop for a minute and just appreciate the transparency and the honesty of that prayer. Life is hard. It was hard for Jehoshaphat. And by the way, Jesus never came to take the trouble out of life. Jesus said, in life, when you have trouble, you can take heart because I've overcome the world. He never said, I came to take all the trouble away. And he gave Jehoshaphat trouble. War was right in front of him. It was on his doorstep. Yet he was so transparent and so dependent upon God, he cried out, 
We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Beloved, in life, in life, he, our God will give us a difficult situation. There's going to be times where we say, we don't know what to do. In that time, here's my question, not only to you, but to me. Where's your eyes? Where's your eyes? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So many times in life, we get to that point where we say, we don't know what to do, but our eyes aren't on God. Where's our eyes? They're probably on our worry and our anxiety and our doubts. Our eyes might be on our own wallets. They might be on our own talents. They might be on our own best efforts, our own strength. But this text teaches us to fix our eyes on God. As Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, and walk towards him. That means in every single day, every decision that you make, every step that you take, you're going to be God-honoring. You're going to be walking towards Christ. Your eyes fixed on him in that time of trouble. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And what did he learn? If you keep reading in the text, he learned that the battle wasn't his anyway. That the battle belonged to the Lord. And Jehoshaphat faithfully kept his eyes on the Lord. And the Lord brought him through that time of trouble. My question for all of us today is where are our eyes? When you don't know what to do, where are your eyes? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the last point today, pray in Jesus' name. Two scriptures. John 14, 13 says, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then finally, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Let's start with that last verse. What is a mediator? Mediator is the man in the middle, the person in the middle, right? Usually you hear the word mediator when there's a conflict between two parties and the mediator tries to make resolution between the conflict of the two parties. Well, in the Bible, you have a holy God and a sinful man. And these two parties are in conflict because of man's sin. So to solve that problem, God sent his son into this world to become man without ceasing to be God. That's who Jesus is. He's the God-man. And Jesus, as God comes to earth, wrapping himself in our humanity, did what we can't do, which is he was perfect. And he went to the cross, and he took your sin and my sin. He died with it. He died for it. He removed it as far as the east is from the west. And he made a way. For sinful man to approach a holy God through his blood on the cross. And he says to us, the only way, the only way 
for a sinful man to approach a holy God is through the mediator, Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's why you pray in Jesus' name. Because you can't get there on your own. You can't pray without a mediator. The only way we are heard by God is through Christ. And Christ, again, ushers our prayers to the throne of grace, which is never closed, for, they, for them to be heard by God always, all the time. We pray in Jesus' name. This morning, I pray that you can take several things away from these texts. Today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you can pray without doubt, without fear. You don't have to wonder if your sin is too big or if God might not hear you because Jesus ushers you to his Father. You can pray confidently. Secondly, know that your prayer doesn't have to be one and done every single day. That you can pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Because the throne of grace is never closed. That you can pray the will of God by praying scripture. Read, dwell, meditate, memorize the word of God. So that you can pray God's will back to him. You can know what he wants, what he doesn't want. Fourthly, you, you and I both live in a world that's full of ups and downs. God will allow trouble to come into our lives. When that happens, here's the question for all of us, where's our eyes? You might get to a point in life where you say, God, I don't know what to do. Many of us get there and we don't know what to do and we're scrambling around doing everything else but keeping our eyes on God. I'm guilty of that. Let's remember Jehoshaphat. Even when we don't know what to do, Lord, our eyes are on you. And then lastly, remember your mediator, the man in the middle. Yet you can't get to God on your own. Let us always remember to pray in Jesus' name. In fact, pray with me now. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for these truths of Scripture. Understanding that all of Scripture teaches us how to properly pray. Lord, if there are those here today who are living in doubt, who think my sin is too big, God can't hear me, God can't overcome this, remind them of what Christ has done as our high priest, how he shed his blood, which is greater than all of our sin, and usher them into your presence. Let us, Father, pray to you morning, afternoon, and night. All day long, let us pray without ceasing. Let us remember that we are to hide your word in our heart so that we can pray it back to you. Let us remember to fix our eyes on you, even when we don't know what to do. And Lord, we pray all of this in the name of the one mediator between God and men. Yes, even Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.